SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sports Beat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KUB reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined this week by CJ Moore of The Athletic, a special guest, CJ, since you haven't joined us in so long. Welcome back. Jesse, did you miss me? <laughs> uh, let's not go that far. Um, I you did, you just a little bit. Hey, I did want to compliment you. Um, on I saw you in the background on television from the first game. But I have to admit, I was a little distracted by the really good-looking guy that was next to you. Sorry. <laughs> that guy in, like, a sloppy jacket. Oh, <laughs> come on. Come on. I was showing the, the company brand on there. You, you got to get the star. You got you, you got to, you know, I didn't see any athletic stuff from you. You could have been, you know, pimping the site. Yeah, Seth needs to send me an athletic jacket. I'll, uh, I'll show it off. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, we, we, we got some TV time. That's always an awkward thing. But, um. I, I enjoyed sitting to you by you for a game, and then Jesse did the damnest thing. People, he went, he so they they sat him next to me for the the games on Thursday, and then he went to the people running the Wichita um, show, and he said, "Hey, I don't want to sit by this guy." And they actually moved him away from me for the uh, the second set of games. It was it was kind of hurtful. Yeah, well, uh, that's not exactly what happened, but. Uh, yeah, you did get Scott Chasen next to you of uh, the Lawrence Journal World, and so yeah, you got a little bit of a different uh, person there. But down in Wichita, like you talked about, the most important thing for KU fans is that KU, the old cliche this time of year, survived and advanced. And so for KU to uh, make it through the regional and now to the Sweet 16, it's we can look ahead and see what is upcoming for the Jayhawks playing against Clemson on Friday, and then if KU wins, either Duke or Syracuse on Sunday. Before we go forward with questions, CJ, any general comments from what you saw from KU in those two games in Wichita? Yeah, um, I think if you're a Kansas fan, you're pretty encouraged by what's going on right now. Because, one, Yudoka Azabuke played really pretty well in the Seton Hall game. Um, They were plus 21 with him on the floor. I've got some nice Yudoka poetry going up on the athletic either tomorrow or friday i'm not sure what day it's going to run but um just kind of talking about his return his rise um i think that was a really encouraging sign the, the way he played the way he moved because it was way different from how he looked on thursday would you agree with that oh yeah for sure and then the other two guys that i think you have to be super encouraged by right now are Malik Newman, who now is on, you know, basically a five-game run of putting up pretty ridiculous shooting numbers. And then I think LeGerald Vick, a little bit more quietly, has been playing the best basketball of his life, maybe. (laughs) And, you know, you look at his lines in the SAA tournament, he's been efficient. I know Synergy put up a stat that he's been the most efficient player in the tournament. He has zero turnovers, I believe, in two tourney games. He's been more locked in and focused than I think he's been all year. And it's kind of, you're starting to see, I mean, the the pin game, um, you know, he was one guy that maybe wasn't 
kind of shook early on. I thought KU's got, you know, KU came out a little nervous in that game, but he was one guy that really wasn't and let his athleticism show. And it's kind of the LeGerald Vic that I think Bill Self has been trying to get all year. So you have those two guys playing really, really well. You've got Devontae Graham, who you can pretty much always rely on. I thought he had maybe his worst game of the year, or at least worst half of the year against Seton Hall. And, um, you know, but you, you, you're, you're going to feel like he's probably going to bounce back. And then Udoka playing pretty well. And, and you know, Svee didn't have a great weekend, but, um, I you know, I think that he did okay and, and is coming out of there. Actually, I thought he played pretty well in the Seton Hall game. I thought he had some really good drives. So I don't want to say he didn't have a great weekend because um, I thought he played pretty well in the Seton Hall game. So you look at your five best players playing pretty well. And now you have Silvio as an actual backup option although he might go back to not being trusted a ton um by bill self you know i i didn't think he didn't play a lot in the scene hall game and i think some of that came down to to trust but i think this team is in a pretty good spot right now going into the sec- second weekend w- would you agree mr newell yeah well and it's funny you mentioned stream of maybe not having as good of a weekend and i was looking up some other numbers where people were talking about points per game defensively and offensively better than average throughout the NCAA tournament and so he actually ranked the highest on there of any KU player and if you look at his numbers like you said two efficient offensive games he was able to drive against Seton Hall and score in the lane and score at the rim which is what that team what KU needed with the way Seton Hall was playing defensively and then sort of overlooked because it's not something you expect from Svi so you don't really look in this stat location very often but two steals against Penn and three steals against Seton Hall and he had had more he only one game this season against South Dakota State had he had more than three steals and so he's not really a guy you rely upon for that but some defensive activity there as well and so you're right it's funny to to think that they played such a close game against Seton Hall and you're talking about all these guys that played well and when we talk about Malik Newman playing well I think we're obviously saying offensively because there's still have been some defensive issues for KU to allow some points and the switches have not always been great but if you mention it and if you read about it look up it's uh it, the thing about it is for KU you know we talked about Devontae Graham had one of his worst games but Malik Newman, Sri Mikhailuk, Udoka Azbuki, LeGerald Vick all really emerged and Bill Self you know if you're looking at it hey if you get three of those guys playing well even if it's not the big 12 player of the year you got you give yourself a pretty good chance and i think that's what you saw from kansas especially in the second half against seton hall the offense really outscored any problems that they had defensively yeah and um you know they're obviously a better defensive team when Udoka's on the floor the numbers show that and it's the eye test show that so they they need him this upcoming weekend to play quite a few minutes and I think the big thing for him this week as they prep will be just getting his win back because to give 20 I think 22 minutes what he gave him was about everything his body was going to allow I mean I think he was he was fairly gassed but um, you know just having sat out those what was it almost two weeks you you lose your win during that time even you know even that short amount of time you lose your win so i think the biggest thing for him this week i think he 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 gained confidence in the knee with the way he was able to jump up and dunk and stuff like that but i think the biggest thing for him is just getting his win back this week because they're gonna need him on the floor now clemson doesn't have a angel delgado type guy that that maybe could kill him although elijah thomas 
is a you know former really really big time recruit who started a And M. He might have been. I'm not sure if he was a McDonald's All American, but he was in the five star, four star range. And uh, you know, so he's a talented player, but but not on Delgado's level. But you know, sneaking up there around the corner, if you kind of look ahead a little bit, is is Duke and you know Wendell Carter is a beast. And um, you know, I don't think Azubuke would guard Marvin Bagley, but but they're going to need a good doke, especially for that for that Duke game. Well, let's go ahead and get to some of these questions here, CJ. Uh, the first one I think is kind of speaking to what we have been talking about here already, so uh, we can start with that one, which is from TD Derry. He says, if KU gets past Clemson and Duke, and Duke is the matchup, do you expect Self to junk it up a la UNC in 2012, triangle and two, to try to stop Bagley and Carter up front? And so... Uh, you've seen Duke more than I have this year, and you kind of know how good offensively that team has been. And again, it's looking for it's looking ahead a little bit, but we can do that because we're not playing in the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> if KU did play Duke, uh, what do you think defensively the answer is for Kansas, or is it just you try to survive on that end with your man defense and do what KU has done most of the year, which is try to outscore them with your four guards and make it a bad matchup on the other end? Yeah, man, I don't know. It's a really scary matchup for Kansas because uh, you can maybe negate Carter with, with Azubuke, although Carter can also face up and go out to the three-point line, which, you know, Doak moves a lot better than he used to, but that's not ideal to take him out of the paint, right? Um, but but mostly Carter stays on the blocks. I mean, he's capable of that, but mostly he stays on the blocks. But Marvin Bagley, I don't know how you handle him if you're Kansas, you might see them maybe consider some zone. Now, the thing about the triangle and two is you usually use that on perimeter players. Yes. Uh, can you ever think of a time where they've used one of those two on a big man? No. <laughs> no, usually I, it's usually you do it on two guards and then you leave open one guard. You know, you always think back to uh, the North Carolina guard back in 2012 who couldn't shoot it at all. And you did it against Kentucky because of those two guards. Um, you know, some of those guys didn't have the perimeter shot, so it works well against them. It's very rare to do it against a team that can shoot or that has, you know, interior weapons. So, again, I don't know if, I don't know if Triangle 2 is really what he's asking either. It's just how do you try to stop Duke with all the big men? I mean, 2-3 might be the better answer. You know, do you force Duke to make some threes on the outside and then try to crowd the lane and get whatever rebounds you can? The problem with that against Duke is that sometimes it's tougher to rebound out of a zone, and Duke is number one in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. So you might be making a problem worse by doing that. However, I don't know. I, I don't know the answers right now. And again, I think Bill Self and coaching staff um, are probably thinking right now and brainstorming to try to figure out what they might do against yeah. Duke because it's a tough matchup for anybody. Here's here's what I would do. And I, I would probably... So... Let Azubuke guard Carter one-on-one. You you live with whatever Carter's going to do to you. And then with Marvin Bagley, you try to throw whoever is guarding um, Trevon Duvall, whoever's guarding him, you just use that guy to run a double team at Duvall. And you only help on Duvall if he cuts to the basket. If he stays on the three-point line, let him stay out there. And 
let him fire away because he's a terrible shooter and him shooting the ball is is a good thing even if they're open like he he's someday there's some days where he hits them a couple of them but you know i I could look up his percentage right now but it's in the 20s so so you live with trevon deval now it's it's not easy you know maybe they put him on the opposite side of bagley so you know it's tough to 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 trap and a lot of times this year i've seen duke you know they'll keep Bagley and Grayson Allen on on one side, so that way if you dig in off off Grayson Allen, he can just throw it out to Bagley can just throw it out to Allen, and he can shoot the three. So it's gonna be I don't know, it's gonna be a difficult matchup, but that's that's what I would do. I think you maybe try to to double team Bagley, but what you saw in the Seton Hall game, I thought Kansas tried to double team too often. And it left Seton Hall shooters open, and Seton Hall had guys that could could burn you if you left their three point shooters open. And when Kansas was able to get back to those guys, it put them in poor rotations. So I'm I'm not usually a fan of double teaming the post, but I do think that's something you're probably going to have to consider against Bagley because it's going to be scary with him against Legero Vic or Svima Kyluk just because he has a height advantage and the guy can just rise up and pretty much shoot over anybody he wants. So he's a tough matchup. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> I, I think one thing I wanted to talk about, and you're kind of hitting on it right here, and also Will talked about this on Twitter. He says, how much does the spread outlook for KU Clemson change with a 100% healthy doke? I think we can sometimes overrate what one player means, and I think what you saw from KU – against um, against Seton Hall is that Yudoka made a big difference, obviously, and he was able to go up against Delgado. But I think we get in our heads a little bit too much what is happening and why Doak is helping Kansas. He was helping Kansas because he was shutting off the offensive rebounds from Delgado. That's how Delgado killed KU, is that Mitch would go to help on a drive, he'd miss the shot block, and then the ball would just go off the glass, Delgado would get it and stick it back in. And for KU, you know, for one, I think Doak is going to be considered mostly healthy. For two, again, I think we overrate a little bit when one guy goes out. You saw KU win the Big 12 championship by 10 points, at least 10 points every game in those three games without Yudoka. And for three, you know, there are certain shots, and they drive Bill Self crazy, but they're not necessarily efficient shots when you look at kind of comparatively what happens. And Delgado made a couple of these, but, like, when he's got the ball in the post and he's backing down Mitch and he tries, like, a right-handed hook shot. Now, that might go in every so often, but I'm telling you from the math, that's like a 40% shot. And when that happens, Mitch Lightfoot is in rebounding position. You know, he's not trying to help on somebody else, and Delgado can't go and get the rebound then. And so, to your point and what you were talking about, CJ, I agree, when they tried to double the post, it was resulting in Seton Hall threes, which was the worst-case scenario. I think at some point for Kansas, you just got to let your guy sit there and say, okay, if you're going to score over two outstretched hands from six feet away on a turnaround hook, you're going to do it. And you're going to take your chances with that. But really where it hurt Kansas, especially in that second half, was, okay, there's the double team. Get it out of Delgado's hands. He's not a really efficient player. Okay, two passes later, it's a wide open three, and you give up three when the worst you could have done in the paint was give up two to Delgado on an inefficient shot. So I think that's kind of one of those things you're looking at. Again, something the KU coaches would look at uh, if Duke is a matchup down the line. But it is kind of how you have to wrap your mind around wrap your mind around it because it is frustrating for Bill Self. It is frustrating for coaching staff when a player scores in the post and looks easy. I'm just here to tell you that's not so easy. And again, two 
points is not the worst thing in the world, especially if a guy like Delgado is, is trying to take a shot where he doesn't have the inside position. And I'm here to tell you it's it's less about the, the – I mean, I, what you're saying makes sense. But from a strategy standpoint, I agree. I'm, I'm not – like I said, I don't – I'm not a fan of, of double-teaming the post, especially unless, unless you're like Virginia – who is just incredible at recovering so out of it. So good on rotations. So good. Yeah, then then I, I don't like it. But for Kansas, when it's it comes down to a trust thing. Like when Yudoka's on the floor, Self doesn't send a double team. Yep. So that's why he's so important because just because of the decisions that are made because he's on the floor help you defensively. Does that make sense? Yes. Like they're not going to try to double team with him on the floor. So – Therefore, they're a much better defensive team, and therefore the numbers reflect that. So, his minutes are very, very important because you're at your best when he's on the floor. And yeah, they did go win the Big 12 tournament without him, but also you look back to those games. You know, they weren't playing teams that could that had like a big man that could just absolutely kill you offensively, right? Like, go back and you know, Kanate's. They tried to play through Kanate. That's not, you know, he's not really a high usage guy. Um, you know, Maween killed Kansas, and that was partly because of who was out there. Well, but, but, that, but that's my they point. They could survive but that. That's, yeah, that's my point. I mean, I know Barry Brown went out, so K State had a limited roster, but Maween went crazy, and KU still won by double digits. So, but but also like K State was a shell of itself without its two best no, players. I, so. I said that. I started. I yeah. started with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. Maween scored a. Not a career high, like a him playing basketball high. He'd never score that many points in his life. <laughs> but KU can survive that. And, I mean, the same thing with Delgado. Uh, you can survive that. What needs to happen is you need to be really good on the other end and counter some of those twos with threes and then not foul when guys get it at that, at that point in the lane to put yourself in trouble. So uh, I, I think we're agreeing here more than we're disagreeing. All I'm saying is that it, it can be frustrating as a fan and it can be frustrating as a coach when you see a guy just turn around Back a guy down like Mitch Lightfoot, turn and score from four feet. You know, that can be frustrating. All I'm saying is that KU can survive some of that because you can't make all those shots. You're probably going to get the rebound, and then you're going to be able to play, you know, good offense most likely to teams that are playing huge, especially when Udoka's in the game. I don't know. It's, it's a give and take. We always know that. But this Kansas team is more built to just play the style it plays and hope you can be okay on the defensive end. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Johnny, Johnny Orlansky, he asks, uh, and I think this is interesting. He says, is it fair to say KU is the only highly seeded team that survived whose path didn't get easier? Gonzaga, Michigan, and Kentucky no longer have top seeds to deal with. Duke doesn't have to play Michigan State, and Nova benefits from the Haas injury. I think he's absolutely right. It's crazy for Kansas because you just you watch your television and you see, oh, upset here, upset there, upset here, upset there. Kentucky doesn't have to face a top two seed until he gets to the championship game of the entire tournament, and here Kansas is, you still look up and there's Clemson, which was about the same level as Auburn coming in, and then there's potentially Duke, which is maybe the best team left in this tournament if you look at them and Villanova. So I think he makes a good point. I don't know how much of a how much you can say about it other than, you know, KU's bracket just kind of stayed the same where everybody else, even the team like K-State, you look at it and you say, wow, you might really like your chances from this point forward. Well, I thought free, as soon as the bracket came out, I thought, man, Kansas would love to just switch places with Xavier. <laughs> and, you know, 
Kansas would have matched up much better with North Carolina, the two seed in that region. And, you know, you avoid Duke. <laughs> so, yeah. like, Duke, Duke is not a great matchup for Kansas. We've kind of gone over, over that already. Um, so I, I thought that was a, a, a tough trial for Kansas. I will say I don't think Nova has it very easy. I mean, we all know how difficult it is to play West Virginia. So they, they are they do get the benefit of playing West Virginia in the Sweet 16 rather than the Elite Eight because I think prepping for West Virginia with actual time to prep is a lot easier than getting them on the second game of a weekend. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I think I would agree with you that the one team that didn't benefit as much from the week would be Villanova. But still, the Haas injury is significant because it's sort of like Doak for, for Purdue. You know, what really makes their four-guard lineup go is having an anchor inside who can score uh, easy baskets and kind of, you know, be the yin to, the, sure. to, to the yang. So uh, that still is and, kind of a significant thing. And, and Nova is smaller this year and doesn't have great rim protection, um, you know, which is more – I think rim protection is more important against driving guards. But um, – you know, not Haas would have been a difficult matchup for them. So um, I actually think, you know, I'm I'm starting to think Tech might get win that game. We'll see. But whether they play Tech or they play Purdue without Haas, it's, those are still two pretty darn good teams. So you know, I'm 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 feeling bad for the team, the the one seeds on the right. Um, obviously anybody on the left. It's going to be uh, fairly easy, and and Gonzaga was my pick to uh, to make the national championship game, so I'm feeling pretty good about that right now, Jesse. You got a good chance on that one for sure. I, I picked in my final four. Obviously. I mean, it'll be wrong, I'm sure. Yeah, the but... efficiency numbers have loved them all year more than maybe the resume measures, but we'll see how far that the uh, Bulldogs can make it there. From Michael Garrett, he says, "What would a final four with this team mean for Bill Self's legacy?" Same question for if he falls short. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think this is the type of team, even though they're a one seed, it's kind of like that 2012 run where, you know, if they make it to the Final Four, dang, like hat tip to Bill Self, great coaching job. And if they lose in like the Elite Eight to do, like I, I think if they win this next game against against Clemson and they end up losing to in the Elite Eight to Duke, who, you know, who knows, maybe goes on and wins the title, I think you ha- – you have to look at it as, as a pretty darn successful year considering, you know, they lost Frank Mason, they lost Josh Jackson, player of the year, a lottery pick, um, you know, thin bench all year. Um, some of the struggles they've had to still get a number one seed, to still win the league by two games, to then go out and win the Big 12 tournament and then get to the second week of the tournament. To me, it's it's a pretty successful year. I'd agree with you, and I think it's too bad for Bill Self just that the Elite Eight narrative, you know, remains out there with him because – I think if KU beats Clemson, then everything else from there is gravy. But it still could turn ugly because Duke is a really good team. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say Elite Eight for this team, there should be no complaints about this season, especially with the bracket that KU had. Now, that would change, obviously, if Syracuse beat Duke, I think. And then you would be a, you know, whatever, four-point favorite in the first game and like a six-point favorite in the second Just game. Just let me stop you. Syracuse ain't beating Duke. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. I, I absolutely feel that's that. But, happening. again, that would be the way that the narrative would change. But uh, I agree. Elite eight for this team, even if it is a one seed. Now, the only caveat I will say, and I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, with this Kansas team, when you count them out and when they get some of that motivation, which usually it's, it's fake. Usually pretty good. Usually it's fake motivation for Kansas, but 
when they get some motivation, that's the type of game that you just never count Kansas out. And plus, it's so rare for KU in the Elite Eight to be the team without the pressure. And -hmm. this game, in a weird way, even though Kansas is the one seed, if it was KU-Duke, KU would be the team without the pressure. I mean, KU would be the team that nobody would be picking. Everybody would, you know, think Duke would be advancing to the Final Four in that game, had been picking them for a long time. All the national brackets would have it. And if you look back in time, you know, KU at West Virginia was a game that a lot of people thought West Virginia would win, myself included. KU came back and won. At Texas Tech, is Texas Tech, is this going to be the year for Texas Tech? You know, game days down there. KU won. So if this team needs that sort of thing to get it going, um, there's still a challenge. There's still going to be four or five point underdogs, that sort of thing. But you never really count out Bill Self in those type of games. You never really count out this particular team in that type of game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if KU kept it close and, and made that a game that might be might be more competitive than some people will pick just because of um, what Duke has done this season. Again, that's no disrespect to Duke. That's just kind of how you see this Kansas team play when uh, a lot of people are picking against them. Yeah, it it remind it does remind me a lot of 2012 and you know the Elite Eight game against against North Carolina. Yeah, pressure was on was, Carolina for sure. He played unreal. I mean, probably played their their best game of the year. Now, can can do can somebody get hurt and they'll have to throw Stillman White out there? I, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, it's I, I I wrote this last week. Shameless plug alert. There it is. Uh, in in my uh, Bill Self feature, which you can find at the Athletic. Please go check it out. Subscribe. It's worth it. And um. You know, I wrote history has a way of telling you it's pretty dumb to doubt Bill Self because he usually comes through in those situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Kansas cannot beat Duke, will not beat Duke if that game even happens. I mean, Clemson's let's, – let's remember, Clemson just kicked the crap out of the SEC champion. So that's that's no gimme against Clemson. But, if you know, if they're able to get Duke – it, it is a very, very difficult matchup, but you know, Bill Self has historically done pretty well against zones, and um, you know, Duke is obviously going to play a zone, so so we'll see. But um, you know, we got to take it one game at a time here, Jesse, on the pod. <laughs> well, let's we get to focus th- in on Clemson. Right? Let's get to that one from Patrick. He says, "Is there a way for Ken Palm to rank stretches of season? For instance, knowing what Clemson's Ken Palm over the last 15 games without Grantham feels relevant." Um, actually, the one I looked at for this is Bart Torvik has a site that's free and it's very. Say that name again. Bart Torvik. Uh, he does the Torvik rankings, actually the most accurate preseason rankings last year is how I found his site. But he does a lot of cool stuff with the numbers, and so I took a look at the the adjusted efficiency and adjusted for both offense and defense for Clemson uh, since the middle of the season, and it looks like the offense is just slightly better and the defense is slightly worse. So. All in all, though, again, kind of like I talked about before, because basketball is a team sport, because most teams have guys you can plug in there from their bench and because five guys contribute. And I remember talking about this a few years ago when Embiid was out of the tournament. I called some Vegas odds makers and said, you know, how much does this affect KU's chances? And they said, you know, two points at the maximum per game. Uh, It seems like Clemson has found a way without him, without Grantham, to have still a really good team. And it's interesting if you look at the Ken Palm numbers because – it's kind of two teams with this with opposite strengths and weaknesses. You know, KU's fifth in offense and 45th in defense. Clemson is seventh in defense and 42nd in offense. So that would make what you would think would be a pretty even matchup. You give KU maybe a couple points from, playing, from being in Omaha, and voila, you see the line that's, you know, four points. So for this particular matchup, I, I think Clemson is on a roll without him and still has played to a very elite level without him, and I think the numbers would have showed that. 
Jesse, I'm going to go back to something you said, which to me is like amazing. That the numbers show that they've been better with once um, Dante Grant, Grantham went down than than before, right? Offensively, you said. Offensively, it's slightly up. Yes. And, and especially over the last at, five look, games. Go look at amazing. their Kimpon page, and the most efficient player on their team is him. He really? has a one twenty two nine offensive rating. He shot forty one nine from three and sixty three point three percent from two and made seventy eight percent of his free throws. So that's basketball is a strange sport. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. When you look at that and you say, How does this happen? Well, and again, some of those numbers obviously have been helped lately by the whooping that yeah, Clemson they put, put on, on Auburn in the last game. And, yeah. you know, we could really quickly look at those numbers, you know, 84 to 53 and see some of the efficiency monsters that Clemson had that game. You know, you got Elijah Thomas, you mentioned him earlier, at 18 points, 144 offensive rating. Gabe, De- Gabe DeVoe, same thing, 144 offensive it. rating. He's been great lately. And so that's kind of what happens in terms of you lose a guy and it seems like other guys fill in and start to figure out their roles. Where it might hurt you most is it seems like – and again, this is just anecdotal, but the Michael Porter situation where he comes back and you don't have time to play with him and figure out, okay, wait a minute, what do I do? You know, what's your role? What's my role? That sort of thing. You know, after 15 games, you should have a pretty good idea and guys have kind of sorted everything out. And like I said, with Clemson numbers, uh, let's see, they haven't, they've been, I'm looking through, you know, January, they're 13th in Ken Palm at the end of it. Right now they're back to 14th. So dipped down to 16, 17 range, but never below that. So this team has adjusted pretty well without him. And I don't think that him not being in there should really make that much of a difference, especially at this point in the season when half the season has been played without him. Yeah. And you look at lineups and like how, how the teams are built. They're, they're kind of similar. I mean, um, Clemson's pretty small on the perimeter. He's playing a six, seven guy at the four. So, um, you know, matchup-wise, these teams are, I think, the way they're built is, is kind of similar. So it should be a fun game. Joe says, any advantage in playing in the early game if KU wins instead of the late game? The last two years, KU has played in the second game of the two Sweet 16 games and lost the two Elite Eight games. Um, you know, I, I think we can get really dig down e- deep into this and, and try to analyze a little bit too much. I mean, there's lots of factors that go yeah. into this. The only thing I will say about this is, I think playing the first game of the tournament, basically, for Kansas on Thursday was a good thing because you don't sit around and watch upsets. You don't sit around and see other tight teams. Uh, I think that for Kansas might have been an advantage. But as far as playing early in that game and and the first of the two Sweet 16 games, I'm not sure it makes that much of a difference. It could give KU a little bit more rest, but I think this week will be the most beneficial because, as we talked about with Devontae Graham, I mean – he just didn't have it against Seton Hall, and we talked last week a little bit about, you know, you play three games in three days in the Big 12 tournament, and it's really fuzzy. You don't know how much that affects a guy. He just didn't seem into it. Like he, he, I will give him credit, though. A lot of people have brought this up, and I believe they're accurate. In 2010, if you remember, KU, Northern Iowa, round of 32, Sean Collins didn't have it that night and just kept shooting and shooting and shooting. Devontae Graham, when he didn't have it against Seton Hall, he started passing and passing and passing. Six assists, no turnovers in the second half, was happy to distribute to others. You can read my story about how on the one of the game's biggest plays, he let, he let Malik Newman run the show, run the play, and KU got a three out of it. And so I think it was a smart play on Devontae's part to do that and to know and realize and not have an ego about it to, that it wasn't his night and to defer to somebody else. 
I just think that you'll see a better him again this week in that Friday game when you have so many days off, he can recover and, and get his body back because obviously, like we talked about, KU's going to need him in these next two games. Bro, his body's going to be fine. You know how he plays all those minutes? He just drinks Gatorade. He's got Gatorade in every pocket. In this pocket, in this <laughs> pocket you guys need to check out Twitter or Snapchat. I mean, it was one of the funniest things I've seen this week, Devontae, and uh, he's – He's such a hilarious kid. But, yeah, he had a Gatorade stuffed into every single pocket he could on campus to make sure he was hydrated. Yeah, I, 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 I think uh, – I don't know. I, I, I'm not into the De- Devontae Graham is just exhausted narrative as much as, as, much as you are. But uh, there's, there's probably a little bit to it. Yeah, well, again, it's – the tough part about this is you just don't know. Like you can't – you can't do their college kids are you, unpredictable. You can't they're, do, they're people. They're unpredictable. You can't really <laughs> do a study on this unless the one like KU did a few years ago with this, the spit testing and the cortisol levels and all those sorts of things. And that showed that KU players really got worn down at the end of the season. Uh, but KU just got to hope for a better Devonte Graham. And I think they'll get a better Devonte Graham coming up. And obviously he played so well against Penn. So they're picking the right times for these guys to play well. When Devonte didn't play well, his teammates picked him up when he did play well. Uh, his teammates weren't doing anything, so KU, whatever way it happened, was able to get to the Sweet 16. And I, th- I think, Kevin, that Saturday to Friday gap is is probably biggest for for Udoka. Just that too, getting his uh, his win back and getting his legs under him. So um, it was, you know, it's good for Graham too. But I, I think having that big gap there is is beneficial to Kansas. Three more from your buddy Matt. Why is CJ such a hater? I will let you address that. <laughs> Why is he such a jerk? I don't know. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised. I get that. I get that from that guy a lot. I was gonna say, what do you think you are a hater of? If you were gonna, list I mean, off- I'm I'm just supposed to be like a huge Kansas homer in in his eyes. You're supposed so to be a honk, huh? A honk for if, the team. If if I'm not a super huge Kansas homer, which you know, I, I don't think I speak too negatively of them. Then you know, I'm I'm not good enough for Mister Sud Doc. So, whatever. Danny, <laughs> Casey, Danny P asks, can a hot dog be considered a sandwich? Very important, I, CJ. I'm on the no side of that. Is that the is that the right side to be on? I I think so. It's Explain. Not a sandwich. It's a hot dog. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a sandwich. I'll, okay, here I'll explain. A hot dog has the bun is attached, right? Yes. Like the two sides of the bun are attached. A sandwich is where the bread is not attached and you put things between two pieces of bread. Boom. Not a sandwich. I actually agree with you on that. Hot dog, not a sandwich. All right. We got anything else? Uh, yeah, we're, no, uh, we're not going to end it on that. Uh, there was one more, <laughs> and I, I've lost it in the queue, but I, I remember it was asking basically what you think about KU's chances to get to the Final Four this week. Uh, what do you think about their chances against Clemson? And then if advancing, what do you think about their chances in that next game, whether it's Duke or Syracuse? So we can end on that, CJ. Obviously, some people might be listening to this after the, the Clemson game, so we can make ourselves look like fools. But uh, what do you think about KU's odds of making a Final Four? Uh, yeah, I like them to beat Clemson, although I think that's going to be a, a tough game. I don't think it's a gimme by any stretch. And I think Duke is uh, going to win, but, you know, I'm just a hater. <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of fascinating to look at the Clemson matchup. It's a little bit different to me from what KU faced before. 
especially against Penn, where if you think about this team, this is so rare. You know, Clemson really shuts down the interior and takes away shots at the rim and has good rim protection and a great two-point defensive percentage, which is something you can control most if you uh, are a defensive team. And in 13 of Bill Self's 15 years, I would have looked at it and said, oh boy, you know, what's going to happen to Thomas Robinson or to Marcus Morris or to Cole Aldrich or to Sharon Collins and all those sorts of things. Like, KU is a heavy interior offensive attack. What is this team going to do? And looking at this year, I would basically say the opposite. Now, again, I'm not saying this won't be a close game. The, the line is what it is. KU served by four, all those sorts of things. Omaha could give them a little bit of an advantage, but this is still two very close teams going at it if you're looking at it statistically. However, I can at least see a path, and you don't know what the shooting is going to be like. KU has been pretty consistent all year with three-point shooting, and that's continued into the NCAA tournament. But for Kansas you could see them still getting open shots and not being hesitant to take those open shots from the perimeter where in years past, like when they played Texas on the road, you know, they would go up against a shot blocker and try to put their head down and create fouls and it didn't really work out that well and sometimes they'd lose. So I will at least say for this team, I could definitely see a path where KU gets a couple shots blocked, realizes what's happening, drives to kick, makes threes, and wins this game, maybe even wins this game comfortably. So I could see that happening in this Clemson game, and that particular strength for a Clemson team would have been great against Kansas, more great against Kansas a few years ago rather than this year. So, again, we'll see how it all plays out, and, and Clemson's not a great team on the offensive glass. We know that can be exposed against Kansas. So a couple good things for Kansas there. doesn't mean Clemson won't win or can't win. It just means that I like this matchup for Kansas a little bit better than I would have in 13 of the seasons in Bill Self era. And then I'm with you with Duke. I, I think that's a that's a really good team. And maybe one of the favorites left, should be one of the favorites left to win the national title. But I would never count Kansas out, especially when they have their back up against a wall against an opponent that is maybe respected more than them. That's usually when you see the best Jayhawks. Yeah, should be a, uh, should be a fun weekend. Looking forward to it. Jesse, when you roll into to Omaha. Leave it, we're talking Wednesday. I'm leaving tonight. So we will... Uh, oh, you're li- you're leaving tonight. You'll leaving. beat me down there. I'll, I'll I'll be down there in the morning. I'm regret regretting not doing the uh, the Wednesday because it just it puts a it puts me a little bit of a time crunch. Yep. Thursday morning, I got to get the kid to daycare. Got to get out quick. It's gonna be tough. He's gonna want to watch some some Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or maybe some some Boss Baby in the morning. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell him no. He's gonna be upset. You're gonna see me come out in a little late, a little flustered on Thursday, but. But I'll be there. Maybe we can, um, you know, share a meal or something. Since you like just you didn't hang out with me this weekend, kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah, why would I? Well, I think you grabbed my shoulder too many times because I have a, a sprained neck. So uh, I'm a game time a dec- sprained neck. I have a ga- I'm a game time decision for both the uh, Friday game and Thursday's media session. So uh, I guess we're all day today, aren't we? Well, let's let's hold on. We can't get out of here <laughs> without you explaining how you sprained your neck. I think it was scrunching my body up. Okay, everybody out there who's listening, sit up straight in your chairs right now, ergonomic position. This really can happen to you if you scrunch yourself and start typing in a weird way. You could have a sprained neck too and have to go to the doctor and get some muscle relaxers. I actually kind of understand this because, uh, yeah, my uh, my back neck doesn't always feel great with all the probably poor positions I put myself in as I type throughout the day and and looking at the cell phones man think about the way you look at your cell phone yep yeah it's not, not good on the not good on the neck you gotta gotta try to keep that up so i guess i can see i mean 
most of us just probably deal with strained necks. You you were just a wuss and can't deal with it. Yeah, well, when when you're driving yourself around, I'm sure the drivers around you would prefer if you could turn your head when you're backing up. You know, <laughs> you but can't I, even turn your can't even turn your head. But huh? I mean, that's me. You know, I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe people like their mailboxes being backed into and all that sort of stuff. Use I, your mirrors, bro. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, uh, getting better, muscle relaxers helping, and uh, so is the ibuprofen. So I'm sorry, uh, Jesse. I'll I'll be careful when I grab your – I always like to come up to Jesse and just give him a good squeeze, so I'll I'll have to be careful doing that. Yeah, that's probably TMI for for all the folks out there. uh, (laughs) Hopefully, we will be seated together again. That was a lot of fun for the pen game. This podcast brought us close, Jesse. This podcast has brought us close. It was was fun next year during the pen game, so we could uh, banter back and forth. Hopefully, uh, they'll all stick us together, but uh, we'll see if the KC star gets the prime seat next to the athletic we're we're not sure we're that important but we'll see what happens uh, here yeah, i think you had the prime seating <laughs> so let's wait like, like the answer uh, the answer i took care of us we both were were in uh, really good shape for those games and uh, able to catch them and again we'll see how KU does against clemson coming up here on friday for cj this is jesse thanks for checking out the sports bkc podcast be sure to tune in for another episode next week SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase.